Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky if you so choose. And I've got something special for you today. I don't know if I'd call it special considering who did it, but uh, I'm borrowing an interview. It's from our, our radio show that a, a coworker did, but it's something that you really want to hear. I, I guess I have permission to do this considering we draw paychecks from the same place, but uh, Richard Cross sat down with all three assistants for Ole Miss men's basketball. And I know it's football season and you guys want to hear football, but this is one of the more insightful interviews that I've heard in a long time, uh, to tell you the truth, especially because of the subject matter. I mean, this is, uh, you know, they talk about how they got to Ole Miss and you know the, the team itself and the current state of the program. But I think especially that you're really going to want to hear uh, them talk about the job itself in terms of how you handle negative recruiting, how you convince young African-American men from not the South even uh, to go to school in Mississippi and the the hurdles that they've had to climb through uh, disinformation and, and stuff like that in order to recruit. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, this current staff is recruiting at a higher level than anybody else has in the history of Ole Miss. I mean, that's how good recruiting is right now for Ole Miss basketball. That's the kind of stuff I think you're going to want to hear. It's a it's a long interview. It's incredibly insightful and really good. And um, that's the kind of stuff uh, that you, the fans, I know you want to hear. The way they describe how they combat the negative recruiting and, and things like that. It's really worth your time. So I'm going to play that for you uh, coming up here in a little bit. Trust me. You're going to want to hear what your assistant men's basketball coaches have to say about uh, recruiting to Ole Miss in, in Mississippi and the things that they hear on the road from other coaches and things like that and what they have to combat and how they overcome it. Trust me, you're going to want to hear it. Really, really, really good stuff. And hearing their perspectives kind of show you why uh, they've been able to recruit as well as they've done lately. Um, you got a pretty damn good basketball staff. So uh, worth listening to. That's coming up here in a little bit. First, I do want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. I keep reminding you, and we got it started last night. The NFL season gets underway this weekend. You've also got Power 3 football. Yeah, it's not Power 5 anymore. Forget the Pac-12. Forget the Big Ten. We're talking Power 3 football getting underway this weekend. So go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you just across from Kroger University Avenue there. In Oxford, LB's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And last night, we did have the start of the NFL season. The game itself wasn't exactly all that exciting. I mean, it's very clear that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs uh, did not miss a beat at all. Um, still humming offensively, even with the Super Bowl and COVID and not having a preseason. Uh, it's a pretty special roster and uh, that has not changed. But the over did hit 53 and a half, and we got to 54. So on my uh, my pick so far this year, I am one and one because I did take Houston to cover. I guess in hindsight, that was really stupid, but at least we hit the over. Uh, so one and one so far 
uh, on my picks this year. Uh, the game itself, uh, like I said, not not a very good game. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs w- were in control for the majority of it. But the thing is, we got football. And there was a point where I didn't think we were going to get it. Uh, the, the trends seemed to be going in the very wrong direction. And last night, it felt really, really good. There was only 15, almost 16,000 people in the stands, but... Uh, They made enough noise to make it feel like there was an actual atmosphere. And it's a shame that the city of New Orleans couldn't figure out uh, how to put people in the stands uh, on Sunday. I mean, my gosh, you can you have an 80,000 seat stadium. You can separate people to where they won't get the anyway. uh, But there was enough people in the crowd to make it feel like there was an atmosphere. The quality of play, I think, was pretty good, even though there's no preseason games or anything like that. You had some missed tackles and stuff, but by and large, it was a good football game. Just from a quality of play, what you expect from an NFL game, that was really good. And I know uh, some people were still turned off by it, but I think the the displays and the anthem and stuff um, were fine. Uh, They weren't any real kind of a deterrent for most people. Now, I know some still are are turned off by any kind of of demonstration, but if that's what you're going to get, if if that's it, uh, one team was in the locker room during the anthem. uh, That was the Texans. The Chiefs were on the field. Uh, Most guys uh, hand over their heart facing the flag. Some guys were locked in arms, and there was one player uh, on a knee, and then they did that moment of unity thing, Uh, if that's, quote, as bad as it's going to get, I have a feeling a lot of you aren't really going to have a problem with it. And and I heard from uh, a couple of guys last night that said basically they just skipped the pregame. And that's all. I mean, they just, uh, the kickoff was, what, 720? And so they turned it on at 725. And and so if that's your your thing, go for it. But I thought uh, the broadcast team, they talked about what was going on, but didn't opine over it. It didn't become part of the broadcast after it actually happened. I think, by and large, last night was a, a pretty... I think it was a win for the NFL. I know a lot of you think that they shouldn't do anything like that, like the moment of unity shouldn't happen at all, and I understand that. But if that's the, quote, worst it's going to be, then that's okay, I think. I mean... You had one guy on a knee for an anthem, but by and large, the anthem wasn't a controversy. Um, the moment of unity thing, I, I know people are making a big deal about some booze they got. And uh, Anyway, I'm not going to spend any more time on that, actually. Moving on, we did have football. It was really nice uh, last night. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, he was the story of the game, I think. Mahomes, was he was fine. Uh, he looked like he hadn't missed a beat. The Texans' offensive line's a disaster. Deshaun Watson's running for his life the majority of the snaps he takes. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 138 yards rushing on 25 carries last night. And he was, I mean, he was everything that you saw at LSU. He was elusive. He was breaking tackles. He, I mean, he's not a real big guy. He's actually pretty short, uh, especially... Uh, behind an NFL offensive line, he's he's kind of a small guy in that regard, but he's really compact and he's physical. And uh, man, he was impressive last night. And here's just another example of why, even though I think LSU's roster is better than almost everybody's in the SEC, even with all the opt-outs and stuff, they're down to a scholarship player number that's in the 60s. I think they're still going to be very talented. But here's another example of what they're missing and why 
Uh, I mean, right now in ESPN's power rankings, LSU is a top eight team. And I know, you know, two leagues are out, but how can you watch what Edwards Hilaire did on an NFL field last night and think that LSU is just going to be able to immediately replace that kind of talent in production? I'm sure they've got a great running back room that's really talented, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire averaged five and a half per carry in his first action on an NFL field last night. LSU's not going to be able to replace that talent in production. Same thing at the quarterback position, wide receivers, defensive line, everywhere on the field, and you still have people that think that, oh, yes, that's a a top eight team in the country, even with the opt-outs. If you apply the Big Ten and the Pac-12 into ESPN's power rankings, LSU's still a top 12 team in the country. How can you watch that last night and tell me that they're going to be able to just snap their fingers and replicate that kind of talent in production? They're not going to be able to do that. That's the point. And so uh, people call it crazy. I think LSU is susceptible in week one against Mississippi State, a team that I don't expect to be very good this year. I think LSU is going to be a toss-up game, even for Ole Miss, depending on the circumstances uh, around the teams and their health. And if we even get to that uh, final game of the season. But LSU is going to seriously regress. They have a talented roster that they wouldn't trade the vast majority of teams in the SEC for. But if you think that LSU is just going to roll out an 8-2 and two and be competitive with Alabama and, and Florida, I think you've got another thing coming. This team is going to take a major step back. And last night, Edwards Hilaire's production on an NFL field was just another example of what they are going to be missing this year. And a 10-game conference-only schedule is not going to be friendly to them whatsoever and ESPN for, for putting them in the top eight. I think they were number seven or eight. I think it was seven. Uh, that's a bad ranking. And we're going to find out very, very quickly that it is. On the Ole Miss side of things, no news uh, in terms of Otis Reese and his uh, ability um, it, it's really just a joke at this point. Uh, I saw a couple of other players uh, whose names I don't recognize. They don't matter at other schools were able to secure their eligibility uh, this week, and yet uh, Otis Reese is still waiting. You've got Joey Gatewood at Kentucky transferred a long time ago. He's still waiting uh, for some reason. None of this makes any sense. It's just it's sad that it's being held over his head. So uh, no news at this point. I will continue to... Um, uh, talk about it with you, and uh, hopefully, uh, and Dean Leonard also. Two Ole Miss players waiting to know whether or not they can play this season. Um, it's just really sad what's happening to these kids and and how they don't know. And if they get denied, it's especially terrible. Um, but anyway, I'll uh, I'll keep you updated. I'll keep my eye on it. If uh, anything changes, I will certainly let you know. But no news. You know, right now uh, when it comes to Ole Miss or out of Ole Miss camp uh, right now. Last thing I want to get to before this interview. So we mentioned uh, the NFL game a little bit. Like I said, I think it was uh, I think it was okay. I, I think most people are going to be able to accept well, what happened there. A lot of you won't, but that's okay. It, it, it was not like the college games, like Arkansas State and Memphis, where the guys spent like 20 minutes just kind of talking about whatever. You didn't get that last night. Uh, once the football game started, it was about about the football game, and I know uh, most everybody uh, would prefer it to, to be that way, and that's what you got last night. Uh, 
and uh, we'll see what goes on through the weekend. I'm really excited about uh, especially Saints-Bucks coming up, even though there's going to be nobody inside of the Superdome. That's your game of the weekend right there, but we got a full slate of NFL and also college football, and that leads me to my next thing I wanted to get to. Uh, I clicked on it so you didn't have to, uh, because at this point, you shouldn't read anything uh, that is written by USA Today. Uh, so I'll save you a click here. Uh, but it was shared by Dan Wolkin, written by uh, Christine Brennan. And these are the people, remember, that swear up and down they're not rooting against uh, football to happen. Here's the headline. I love college football, but I just can't watch amid COVID-19 concerns. Here's the lead. I love college football, always have, always will. When I was growing up in Ohio, right on the Michigan border, we went to Michigan games on fall Saturday afternoons, then Toledo games at night. (laughs) What a terrible day. Our very own football doubleheaders. In college, I never missed a home game at Northwestern. Oh, that that explains everything. Um, Anyway, so I'll skip some of that. Here's, um, Here's where it really gets fun. I love college football, but I can't watch it. Not this year. In what has to be the riskiest roll of the dice in the history of college sports, 76 universities, many of them in the South and Southwest, for whatever that means, are embarking on the most reckless action ever perpetuated on college campuses in the name of athletics, pressing on with their quest to play football in the middle of a pandemic. These schools are going to ridiculous lengths, twisting themselves into pretzels, hiding COVID results, and cobbling together starting lineups with those who aren't quarantined to justify the unjustifiable, allowing student-athletes to play a sport that is the antithesis of social distancing on campuses teeming with coronavirus. Oh, man. Uh, Look, I get it. I really do. I I get why some people are afraid of the virus. There are people that interact daily with elderly or those that are immunocompromised. And in very, very, very rare, extremely rare cases, even those that were not immunocompromised have been uh, directly impacted by this and in some cases uh, have suffered a fatality. That that is a reality. This is a real thing. The coronavirus is not a fake disease or anything like that. But if you think that they, they don't care about lives and playing college football isn't as dangerous as the coronavirus for 19-year-old kids, uh, you need to just stay inside forever. That's... Stay inside forever. I don't know if you guys have noticed, uh, there's been some pretty significant outbreaks on college campuses, uh, especially in the SEC, uh, with hospitalizations being non-existent. The kids aren't getting sick. And in Ole Miss's case, since this is an Ole Miss podcast, they have had some positive tests within their program. They have contact traced multiple players Uh, who do not test positive, but still have to sit out of practice. They are tested frequently. They are in as safe of an environment as they can be in. If you are so afraid, then that's fine. Don't watch. That's fine. Don't. But 
pretending like the virus is more dangerous to these college football players than the game itself, then you're being intentionally obtuse for the sake of patting yourself on the back and pretending you're a hero. I mean, that's what this is. This is patting yourself on the back and pretending like you're a hero. But you look foolish. And you look like you're fear-mongering. That's what you're doing. That's what, that's what this is. This is fear-mongering. It's not about... It's not rooted in reality, is, is what it is. When it comes to college football players and playing and not playing. This opinion, this take, this thought is not rooted in reality. And if your strategy is to shut everything down until the coronavirus is gone, then thousands upon thousands, if not more, will be out of work. Your non-revenue sports will be cut. You guys know this already. It's just the fact that somebody who allegedly gets paid to write about their wealth of knowledge in the sports world does not quite understand this is is really baffling. But they, you know, they get hero retweets from their blue checkmark buddies and fellow Northwestern grads, and and this is the kind of drivel that they write. But this isn't rooted in reality, and especially when they take shots at the South, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And then these people will try to convince you that they're not rooting against the sport. I mean, I... I don't know how you can work in sports media and constantly do this. Because this isn't reporting the facts. That's not what this is. This is fear-mongering. That's what this is. And it's trying to shame people like you and me who are excited that football's back. That believe that we should try to live and deal with this. That things can be done safely with appropriate protocols. Everybody looked distanced in Kansas City last night. I would have felt safe going to that game. Everybody seemed nice and spread apart. All the NFL players were tested. All the ones that played last night most recently tested negative. All of them that played. Uh, If this is the kind of crap you're going to write, don't be surprised when people start tuning you out. That's what they're hopefully doing. And uh, looking at Gannett's stock numbers, uh, they're doing it in mass. So (laughs) I guess why I bring that up is just to show you why it's so frustrating to work in this this business, man. Why why a lot of you are so frustrated with how things have been reported and covered on, especially when it comes to sports, because this gets a national platform. This gets sent to 100-plus newspapers all over the country that nobody's really reading, but... They still, it's a national platform, bigger than the one I have. And this is what gets covered. This is what gets talked about. This is what is perpetuated around. And what gets lost in everything is reality. That's what we lose. We lose reality when crap like that gets written. So um, I know all of you probably agree with me here. But in case you read that or see stuff like that and have some doubt, don't listen to this garbage. Because that's exactly what it is. It's virtue signaling garbage. And it's not rooted in reality. Football is going to be played. It's going to be played right here in Mississippi. It's already been played right here in Mississippi. And they're going to do it as safe as possible. And it's the right thing to do.
Shout out Keith Carter. Shout out John Cohen. Shout out Jeremy McClain. Greg Sankey and the SEC, the ACC and the Big 12, you're doing the right thing. Don't let these self-righteous Northwestern grads try to tell you otherwise. If you're a... Fr- oh, you can't even watch because you're so afraid. Well, don't go outside because the sun, the sun gives people cancer, right? So just stay inside. But not too long inside because apparently the light bulbs might give you cancer too. So I guess you're screwed either way. Just live in the dark. Find a cave somewhere. It's ridiculous. Living in fear like that. It's a sad existence. A really sad existence. I'm going to choose to watch Paul. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to be happy doing it too. Hey, it's funny. I actually talked to a Kansas State player. A former Kansas State player this week, actually. Uh, Played for Bill Snyder. Just a a wonderful guy. Had a a beautiful family. Um, Heavily involved uh, in, in a church in Memphis. Just a great dude. Uh, I mean, all-American type dude. And I asked him straight up, would you play? And he, I mean, this, this is a guy that, that is now out of it. So he's not 19 anymore. You know, he's an adult. He's got three and soon to have four kids. Played at Kansas State. Now he's a working professional, making good money, and, and living the American dream, right? All-around good dude. And I asked him if he would have played. And he said yes. He said, man, I, we worked that hard. And you're telling me I'm not going to play? No, I would have played. Absolutely. So I'm going to watch guys that want to play, who know the risks and are willing to take it, the schools that are working hard to to put the product on. I'm going to enjoy it because I enjoy football, and uh, I'm not afraid to go outside. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, probably spent too much time on that. Oh, well, let's get to that interview right now. Here was the three assistant coaches. Uh, with unfortunately, you got to hear Richard Cross, but it turns out he he delivers a pretty good interview, and uh, you'll hear it right here. It's definitely worth your time, um, especially on a Friday. Really good conversation, really interesting perspective on what it's like coaching at Ole Miss and how they've been able to overcome some negative recruiting and stuff like that. Really insightful. So here that is right now. All three of your assistant basketball coaches. Uh, with Richard Cross, we're also going to play this on the radio show uh, this afternoon in case. Um, you want to hear it again, I guess. Anyway, here that interview is right now. These are the uh, three assistant basketball coaches on Kermit Davis's staff at Ole Miss. Win Case, who has uh, has been with Kermit uh, going in now to his 13th season. Ronnie Hamilton, who was a, a longtime assistant coach and has an interesting background for uh, getting into college basketball. And Levi Watkins, who was a decorated high school basketball player, has... Uh, or at least that's what I'm told, and uh, he's kind of worked his way through the assistant coaching ranks uh, at NC State and Arizona State uh, and is on Kermit's staff as well. First of all, I appreciate all three of you being willing to spend some time. Uh, when I, I mean this nicely, I think you're the elder statesman in the room, so, so we'll start with you. Two-time national championship coach at Oklahoma City in the NAIA. Are, are you the only guy that's got a ring in here? Yes. <laughs> All right, so, so so take me through that road. Spent most of your early coaching career in Oklahoma with some different stops, and then at some point transitioned from being a head coach to being an assistant coach, but at the Division One level. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, just going back to uh, how everything evolved with uh, being on uh, Coach uh, Davis' staff, 
Um, you know, I'm sitting there as a head coach, like like you said, at Oklahoma City University. Get a call from Bill Self. Uh, you know, obviously the uh, head coach at Kansas and uh, a Hall of Famer. And he just basically said to me, he said, hey, he said, uh, Kermit Davis has an opening on his staff. And I really, really think that uh, you ought to uh, talk to him about the possibility of working for him. And Bill Self just said all these these great things about uh, uh, Coach Davis, that he thought he was one of the better coaches out there, that I could learn a lot. And uh, at some point, uh, working for him, I would have an op- a greater opportunity to be a Division One head coach. Well, and it's interesting because you didn't transfer from being a head coach or, or, or move from being a head coach to Kansas or to Florida or some other Power Five job. It was to go to Murfreesboro and be part of it at Middle Tennessee State. So it was it was a long term play, I guess. Absolutely, and and you know the one thing that Bill said to me was that uh, when he said that uh, Coach Davis is one of the best out there. And that I can learn, and I'm always a student of the game, and and I want to try to learn. And he was exactly right. Fast forward to now, uh, that I thought I knew a lot about basketball before I got uh, to Coach Davis, uh, but now I know even more. And so I'm very happy and excited to be on his staff. Levi Watkins, um, player on the the Eastern Seaboard growing up, uh, decorated high school basketball player. At, at what point did you realize that coaching was where you wanted to go? I kind of knew at a, at a young age. I knew uh, that the, the the ball would start bouncing eventually, and uh, I loved the sport of basketball. I've been around it my entire life, and uh, I had a, a good high school career. Battled some injuries in college, and it uh, kind of came earlier than I expected. Um, had some deals overseas to to be play professionally. Got fortunate where there's an opportunity to get right on staff at my alma mater uh, at NC State. Um, so I, I started young and uh, been, I've been in it ever since 2005, worked with a, a lot of good coaches, um, coached a lot of good players. So it's been, it's been a good ride so far. What's the part of the job that you like the most? Um, I, I had such a great experience as a, as a student athlete. We went to four NCAA tournaments as a player, and uh, it, was, it was outside of me having children. It was probably the best time of my life. So just being a part of that, recruiting really good players to whatever school I'm working at and have, helping them have that same experience, and that's something that would carry on with them for the rest of their lives. That's something that I'm big into, helping our guys get better, helping them grow as men, and just ha- having them have the same experiences I had. Ronnie Hamilton, assistant, uh, who has probably the um – you know, the most solid track to getting to this spot of anybody you'll find in college basketball. He goes and is a star at Duke, four-year starter for uh, for Coach K uh, on the basket. Wait, on, let me check my notes. A star and a four-year starter is a defensive back for the great Carl Franks on the Duke football field. Uh, ultimately, uh, a short stint in the NBA as a, as a free agent, uh, and then at some point made the transition. How in the heck do you go from defensive back in the ACC at Duke to I want to be a basketball coach? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I get it all the time, and, and I'm always happy to answer it. Uh, I, I, number one, I've been really blessed. Um, you know, one thing all of we all of us on this staff, uh, Levi and Coach Case, when we have is we've all played at. Uh, Power Five, uh, high major schools. Uh, as Levi mentioned, NC State, great basketball player. Coach Case played Oklahoma State, uh, and I played at Duke. The difference is, you know, I played football. Um, but 
basketball for me was always my first love and passion. Uh, I was a two sport guy in high school and just I had an itch to coach that particular sport, you know, since I can remember. And, uh, you know, I ended up being better in football uh, in terms of, you know, the recruiting piece and, and, and the opportunities I had to play in college. And I took advantage of those going to Duke and had a great experience. Uh, but it was something that just always kind of tugged at my heart. And uh, when I got done playing, had a small cup of tea with the New York Giants, uh, got cut in training camp, and I just was sitting there uh, at that particular time, I guess 18 years ago, uh, trying to figure out, you know, wh- what I wanted to do next in life. And, and it just it just, it just, just kept, you know, just tugging at me to, to try it. And I've always been a person that if I had a goal or a dream or a passion, I was going to pursue it with everything I had. And so at that point in time, uh, I just, you know, really kind of started from 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 ground zero, so to speak, and uh, tried to find a way to get into the profession. Um, coach year in high school, and then I got an opportunity to be a grad assistant at UNC Pembroke, and then just worked and worked and worked. Been fortunate to work with a lot of good coaches and good staffs. Been blessed with a lot of opportunities. And uh, fast forward now, 18 years later, I'm here at Ole Miss, and, and, and very, 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 just fortunate to be here. This is clearly a unique time when, and uh, you know, you rewind to uh, to March of last year, uh, SEC tournament. Uh, you guys actually play on on day one. Season comes to an end, but then the whole tournament comes to an end, and the season uh, quickly ends for everybody. There there was that weird time of they're going to play, and then they're going to play without fans, and then they're not going to play, and then the NCAA tournament gets shut down. And six months later, we're still trying to kind of piece it all back together. Um, at, at best, the start of the season, it sounds like, has been pushed back a couple of weeks. Um, what what has this six-month window been like for you guys as assistant coaches who are trying to recruit, who are trying to build a roster and, and build a culture? Well, I can tell you this, and I say this with, with, with all of us here. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that it's been one of the most unique times of our lives, uh, something that obviously we've never experienced. But the thing that I'm really happy and excited about was the fact that uh, our head coach basically kind of steered us through the, uh, the storm, so to speak. And, and, and every single day we were preparing for now. And, you know, fast forward to now, uh, we think that we have a team that we've put together that has a chance to compete for uh, a conference uh, SEC championship. And throughout all the rocky times, Obviously, we're still going through some tough times now, but throughout all the rocky times, Coach Davis has steered us every single day and getting us to this point. And, and I'm very, very excited about what we have in store for this season. Kermit's made a joke about the fact that you, you guys did it in the wrong order. Year two should have been year one, and then year one should have been the year, okay, you take a step, you get to the NCAA tournament, there's this incredible momentum how do you get past what last year was without necessarily diving into to what the issues were and, and, and how you got to the end, but to recapture some of that magic that you guys had in year one when, when you made it to the dance? Well, I just think more than anything, you just got to prepare every single day, you know, one step forward and just keep preparing. And I think that's what we've done. And, and uh, you know, obviously you can't look back. You've got to look forward. And the thing that, again, I know I brag on him a lot, but the thing I love about our head coach is that every single day he prepares us for what we have in store, and that's to obviously have a good season this year. Ronnie, you got little ones at home. You've been able to be around with them a lot more over the last six months than normally would be the case. What has it been like trying to recruit and build relationships 
when you can't go see guys in person, you, you can't go to Peach Jam or all these other different tournaments all over the place where you're able to evaluate, and you can't bring people here. Right, yeah. Like Coach Case mentioned, it's been you know so unique, so different than what we're accustomed to doing, you know, like most, uh, whether you're coaches or you're just any walk of life, you get used to routine. And so, you know, it's, it's inevitable for us as soon as the season's over with, you know, you, you, if you're not in the Final Four, you know, you get prepared to go to the Coaches uh, Association and you get to a Final Four. From there, you, you start recruiting for the next year. You get started on your spring, you know, uh, postseason skill development things and, and you guys leave for a little bit. You come back in the summer. So all that was interrupted obviously with the pandemic and so uh you know we had to adjust you had to be flexible you had to find ways to still improve and, and like coach case mentioned you know one thing coach davis uh did and, and we did as a staff is uh in large part because the season didn't end exactly where we would like to uh overall but just just our nature is to always find ways to get better uh we, we use that time uh to to to, to really reflect uh, what we can do to improve because we had more time, you know, so we, we we were at home more, but we were still communicating a lot uh, via Zoom, via phone calls. Uh, and, and again, I think we were really successful in, in, in utilizing the situation and making the best of it. Um, you know, if you look at our spring recruiting, we were able to sign you know, a really good class. Uh, you know, we were uh, on Zoom calls with recruits. We found other ways to, to build those relationships that you mentioned. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did, we went back as a staff and really watched all the games uh, from this past season and, and really broke down some things that we can get better at within teams in our league and even even teams just around college basketball. So we were finding ways to, to not let uh, the pandemic and the schedule being interrupted not allow us to get better as a program. And I think like anything, you know, whether you win a game or you lose a game, or you have a winning season or a losing season, you got to figure out ways to, to get better. And so, you know, obviously year one, we came in, had great success, uh, got to the tournament. Year two, uh, didn't, you know, have a chance to, to play in, in the NSA tournament. I know it wasn't a tournament uh, overall, uh, but we, we used both to find ways for us to continue to, to, to grow the program. So the goal is to sustain, to have sustainable success. So every year we're giving, our, giving, giving ourselves a, a chance to, to make a deep run in, in March. And uh, I feel like, you know, we, we had a great, with all the circumstances, you know, with COVID and pandemic and all the things that were in place that we've had to kind of work through uh, in college basketball and as a staff here at Ole Miss, we, we found a way to get better and improve uh, our program, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Levi, when you start working to build a relationship with a, a young man that maybe you're beginning the recruiting process, you're, you're even just trying to figure out if, if there's a fit there, and you introduce yourself as – Levi Watkins, assistant coach at, at Ole Miss. What is the initial reaction that you get to Ole Miss, University of Mississippi? Um, it depends because uh, a lot of times when we're, when we're recruiting young men, we've already had a relationship maybe with an AAU coach, a high school coach, a parent. Um, so we've kind of already went through, you know, the pros and cons about Ole Miss um, but the one thing that, that's been, been great for us, and we've been recruiting at a very high level since we've been here, is uh, one, Coach Davis and his reputation as a coach. Uh, the amount of games he's won, um, his whole career for a long time, uh, has really, really helped us get into different living rooms that maybe Ole Miss didn't in, in the past. And uh, obviously, 
the the SEC is is a big time league. Um, I remember when I was in the ACC, we used to make jokes about the SEC being a football conference, <laughs> and we used to uh, re- negatively recruit against the SEC all the time. But but things have changed, you know, especially the last five six years with the commitment each of the universities have made to hiring really good coaches and uh, those coaches going to get really good assistant coaches. And it's the league is so competitive. Um, the SEC network gives us crazy exposure um, that, you know, people from all over the country are able to see our games, um, whether you're at the top of the standards or the bottom. So all those things, Ole Miss is, 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 uh, is, is well known within the basketball community. Um, obviously, there was a lot of good players that were here in the past. Uh, AK did a good job as well. And um, I think the combination of that, our league, and Coach Davis and his success that he's had everywhere has really helped us uh, recruit well. When um, Levi mentioned negative recruiting a second ago, and I mean it's no secret, Ole Miss has a, a complicated past, um, a, a past that includes um, you know questions about uh, racism and, and other things. Does that come up in recruiting? And and if it does, or when it does, I mean, people have talked about negative recruiting toward Ole Miss in the past. How how do you address that? Well, I can tell you this: it. it Definitely comes up, okay. And I'll never forget when, we, when I first uh, got hired here, and I'm I'm in Florida at an AAU event, and I'm sitting next to uh, Coach White, Mike White, that uh, uh, and we just were talking. Obviously, he played here and and uh, spent a lot of time here. He still considered this home, uh, but he said to me, he said, "Hey, he said, you know, one thing that you're going to have to fight against is the negative recruiting when it comes to uh, trying to get some of the top players in the country." And uh, he said people are going to use everything they can in terms of uh, talking negative about Ole Miss. And uh, he said you just what you've got to do. He said you've you've got to let them know how you feel personally about being at Ole Miss. And uh, and and so you know I, I want to fast forward to now and looking back, going on three years, this is an unbelievable place. I mean it's unbelievable. And and I tell people all the time if you don't want to come to Ole Miss. Don't take a visit. Don't. Because once you get here, you're going to see it. And people can say what they want to say. But I, And I'd like to take my coach's hat off and speak directly from my heart. And I'm telling you now, it's really, really good people here. And these people are so welcoming. They they want to let you know how much they love you. And I was talking to De- Devante uh, the other day, uh, Shuler, about uh, being here and his, you know, obviously going on his fourth year. And I said, you know, I said, we're calling people and talking to them about season tickets and all this. And everybody want to talk about Devontae Schuler. You know, how's he doing? I mean, it's like you're their favorite son. And uh, he just put a big smile on his face. And I said, I said, you're going to really miss this place, aren't you? He said, yeah, I am, coach. I'm going to miss it. And so those are things that I like to tell recruits that you've got to come here and you've got to see it. And that's why we've had, you know, in the last couple of years, really good recruiting classes is because of when guys get here and their parents get here, they see it. And I'm telling you now, I've worked a lot of different places like all these guys have, and, and this has got to be the best place I've ever worked because of the people. And it's a really, really good place. I want to ask all three of you this. I'm, I'm curious what you knew about Ole Miss, what your perception was of Ole Miss as black assistant coaches before coming here and being part of it, living here, bringing your families here. Was there concern? Was there uh, some trepidation uh, in, in coming in? Because as we said a second ago, all three of you played at the, the Power Five level in either basketball or, or football, and 
you've been around. You've heard about Ole Miss. So, so what did you know or what did you think before you got here in comparison to kind of what you said just a second ago? Well, I can just tell you this. You know, when, we, when uh, Coach Davis was first hired um, at Ole Miss uh, and obviously said, hey, when I want you to come with me. And, you know, I talked to my wife about it and, and uh, talked to my wife's uh, father, my father-in-law. And the first thing he said on a three-way call, he said, are you guys going to Mississippi? And my wife basically and I said, yes, we're going to Mississippi. And he said to me, he said, boy, he said, golly, he said, you, do you know a lot about Mississippi? You know about the, uh, the past there in Mississippi? So basically he had some some um, some cautious, I mean, words of wisdom basically saying, hey, you guys got to think twice about going to Mississippi. So, yeah, uh, it was out there. Uh, but going back to what I said earlier, that once you get here and you see it, and, you know, I'm here, I want to say myself and Ronnie before uh, Levi was hired, I'm here, we're here three weeks, four weeks before our families get here. Yeah. And we're here, and I'm calling my wife, and I'm saying, you, you, I can't believe this. I say, I'm going down on the square, and people are stopping me and just saying, hey, man, welcome. Welcome to the family. Welcome to Ole Miss. Welcome to Mississippi. And I said, I'm just like, I think I'm in a fairy tale. And uh, it just seems like a really, really good place. Has your father-in-law's perception changed? It has. It definitely has changed. And he's been here. He's been here, and, and he's been uh, to a few ball games. He's been to a football game, and, and it has changed. It really has. We've had an unbelievable experience here. Ronnie, what about you? What, what you thought coming in, what you knew about Ole Miss coming in uh, compared to what it's been like in, in three years? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, I think, again, um, just piggybacking off of Coach Case, I think, you know, you, you sometimes maybe have a, uh, that whole, you know, judge a book by its cover uh, before you really, you know, get a chance to really experience it and know what it, what it, what it really is. Um, and, I, and I think, as you mentioned, some of that is, is history. Uh, you know, again, there's a history here that 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 that, that can't be erased. Um, but I, I look at it, you know, like the only way you can change history is by what you do, you know, in the future. And so, uh, and I think even from a recruiting standpoint, some of that, uh, as far as even with some families and kids that we recruit, may have a perception. But again, like Coach said, until you get here and you see it and you can feel it, you realize uh, this is an unbelievable place uh, to, to, to live and raise a family. Uh, and so, as Coach mentioned, um, you know, when we first uh, thought there's a possibility to come to, to Ole Miss and, and, and be, we're all excited about it and, 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 and knowing you're going to coach at a great league at a great place and uh, you do have that perception of uh, this is Mississippi. Um, but being here, you know, just, just, just even just in a short amount of time from the time we got here, uh, any of those concerns uh, were quelled uh, right away. And uh, like you said, I got little kids, uh, and they absolutely, my wife included, have loved uh, being here. School system, uh, you know, just, just, just the, that 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 small town community feel that you have here in Oxford. People you meet around the state, whether you go to Jackson or Hattiesburg and things of that nature, uh, it's one of uh, our favorite places. And I've coached a lot of different universities in a lot of different cities that I, I've lived in. And so uh, I tell people too, just like uh, coaches said, you know, you got to come see it. 
You know, if you have any trepidation, you have any reservations about uh, this university, uh, this town, this state, come come speak, spend a weekend with us. And, and, and there's no doubt that, that, that uh, any of those reservations we, we put to rest. Uh, and so we, we, we've loved it. My family have. Um, it's been a great place for us to live and, and, and raise our, our kids. And, uh, you know, we just we really enjoy it and, and looking forward to, uh, to, to, continuing, to continuing that for a long time, hopefully. Levi, you said earlier you had that, uh, that, that deep-seated old-school ACC bias uh, mm-hmm. about the SEC. Uh, you were in the Pac-12 at Arizona State before you came here. What was the, the sell job? Was there, was there hesitation for you of, wait, you want me to go to Mississippi? No, not not at all. Uh, I was fortunate to know uh, several people that had worked at Ole Miss before. Um, Al Pinkins, who was an assistant coach here, he played at NC State. I've known him since I was in, in college. I talked to him about his experiences here. Uh, the two-year stint that I did at Buffalo before we went to Arizona State, Danny White was the athletic director and Alan Green. You know, Alan Green's now at Auburn, and obviously Danny's at uh, Central Florida. They've always talked about the good times that they had in Oxford as well. Um, so it, 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 I didn't have any reservations at all. Like I said, I, I knew the league was, was very good. I knew that uh, Coach Davis was an unbelievable coach. And, uh, and again, talking to those people about, you know, they all had young children uh, that were in the school district. They loved it at the time. Talked about how it was, you know, the best in the state. And I got a second grader and a third grader. And uh, our experience, my kids' experience in school has been, has been great. Uh, my wife as well. Um, my wife and I, you know, we both went to NC State, and uh, their college basketball is huge. College athletics is huge. Um, you know, we go to Buffalo. We do, had a good stint there. Go to Arizona State, and that's more of a, a pro city. And obviously, we had a good time there as well. We were up to number three in the country. Had a really good season. Uh, my last year there, NCAA tournament. But we were looking for that more college feel um, for for our kids and just for us because that's our experience. My wife was born and raised in North Carolina, so she's been around you know the ACC and, and seeing that um, throughout her childhood so we were looking for something like that and all those things came together like I said with Coach Davis league being so well in a college town like this where the people are, are, are so nice uh, even when I first went to NC State I'm from, I'm from Maryland right outside of D.C. and uh, I first went to NC State I couldn't believe how many people said hello you know, in Maryland, you don't even look people in the eye. You just kind of keep walking, you know. But uh, that feel, uh, once we got right here to Oxford, was kind of that same. Once we we left a big city, kind of came here as when I first went to NC State. So it's been it's been it's been a joy so far for sure. Early this summer, there was about a three week window where we went from nobody talking about the state flag to it was a conversation that everywhere you turned that was going on Mm -hmm. and ultimately uh the leadership in in the legislature decided to bring down the flag to to take away the flag that has the confederate battle emblem as part of the uh the canton still don't know what the flag is going to be going forward i'm not sure that that matters Mm -hmm. how big a deal was that from the perspective of recruiting and from the perspective of being a black man in Mississippi who's working hard every single day to see that part of Mississippi's history go away. It was monumental. It really was. To see to see Coach Davis there in front of all the college coaches here in the state of Mississippi. And uh, we've in the state of Mississippi has had that flag for a long time. 
So to see Coach there in front of the podium, obviously he's born and raised in Mississippi, and to be have a small part of that change is huge. And uh, just talking with recruits, their parents and coaches, to see that we had a small part of that change was huge and uh, something that we've kind of built on. But um, that's that's something I'll always remember for sure. Because, uh, like I said, that that flag has been the state flag for a long, long time. For us to have a, a part of it was huge. When I want to ask you about this, I mean, we're, we're dealing with a time where um, college students, student athletes, are letting their voice be heard in a way that maybe they haven't exercised that in the past. Uh, we look all across the country, and we have social justice initiatives that are out there. We see it all over sports, and it seems like there's a balance between, yes, voices need to be heard, there are changes that need to be happened, but you also look around and you've got a bunch of fans that say, hold, hold on a second, sports is my escape. I'm not necessarily looking for a mix of politics or even activism when I go to a ball game or when I watch a ball game. I know it's a complicated subject with a lot of layers, but but how do you balance those two ideas? Well, I just think it's important to, you know, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And I think the most important thing you've got to do, you've got to stand up for what's right. And and I, I love what Levi just said about Coach Davis in that this, you know, this is Mississippi now, okay? And and, and things are changed. And, 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 and like Levi said, I mean, Coach was a, a huge part of, of help changing that flag. And Let me interrupt you for a second. Okay. I, I thought that was an incredibly powerful moment that with all of the Division One coaches, football, basketball, from all the schools in the state of Mississippi standing there, he and Nikki McCray-Pinson at Mississippi State were the two who were chosen to kind of be the voice and speak on behalf of all of the coaches that were there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and obviously, you know, Coach being from Mississippi. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I sat there and I watched the uh, press conference. And I had tears in my eyes because Coach Davis spoke from his heart. And that's what I like to tell recruits. I said, you know, you got a guy that, that, yes, he's going against a lot of people in the state of Mississippi that wanted to keep that flag the way it was. And, and he spoke from his heart and, and basically said what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. In terms of supporting players, uh, in allowing their voices to be heard and listening to things that are important to them. What, what's kind of the, the day-to-day routine? How, how much as a team have you guys spent talking about things that are important to them, whether it's social justice initiatives or wanting to be part of marches or, or standing up for things that they believe are right? Well, we just, like I said, again, it's, just, it's, it's important to be proactive. And we as a staff, and obviously Coach Davis being the leader, uh, basically stood up and said, hey, look, guys, hey, we're going to do whatever you guys want to do, and we're going to support you in whatever you want to do. We understand uh, times have really changed, and things are working in a lot of different directions. And uh, and we've had meetings with leaders of our team. Uh, we, we've uh, had meetings with, with uh, the hierarchy of uh, the university. Uh, about a lot of different things, and and so our, our our team just getting the heartbeat of our team, you know, Richard is is that they they really feel like they've been supported, and in 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 all the things that they want to do, and, and we feel really really good about that. Ronnie, when when your guys step on the court this year, whenever that is, hopefully it's on November twenty fifth, maybe it's January second, you know, whatever that date ends up being. 
with all that has transpired in what will then be almost nine months, will basketball feel normal again? Yeah, I think when you get on the court, you know, it will. Um, you know, I think if you look at, you know, pro sports that are playing right now, whether it's NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, we have football tonight, NFL starts. I think once you get in those lines, it'll feel normal. Uh, I think it's all the other things outside of that to get to that point that, that may be abnormal. Um, but, but I do think that, you know, one of the things that all has transpired just in the last, you know, nine months with the pandemic and social uh, justice and justice and activism and things of that nature is that it, it, it'll, it'll, if you um, are doing the things that that you kind of mentioned, you, you're having dialogue with your team, you, 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 you're, you're having communication with, with your leaders and, and your staff, uh, it'll bring you closer so that when you do play the games, uh, you're that much more of a team. And I think that's the one thing that I'm so excited about. Our group, uh, you know, since even just the, the COVID, uh, you know, we were on Zooms with those guys early on and just about, you know, when you're back home, what can we do to help? University did a great job in terms of providing resources. And then through all the things going on with social injustice, we've had constant communication with them while they were away, while they were here. And I think it's made us a stronger program. Uh, so that when we do play, uh, it'll definitely feel like normal and, and we'll be even that much more of a stronger team, like I mentioned. Levi, I'm going to throw something at you, and, and we're going to kind of switch gears to, to a couple of basketball things as we wrap up and really appreciate the, the time that all three of you have given me. The ACC coaches yesterday voted unanimously in support of every single Division One team that is eligible being part of the NCAA tournament. What's your reaction to that? Well, my, my first reaction to the couple of tweets that I saw was um, uh, I, I couldn't really figure out exactly what they were saying. And then uh, one, once I figured out they wanted to get every single team in the NCAA tournament, I was I was kind of shocked, to be honest. And uh, I still don't know logistically how, how it would work. Um, I know to, to make it to the NCAA tournament, I've been, been a part of 10 teams that have went. It, it's really hard to get there. Um, so I know we're in different time during a pandemic, but to kind of skip, skip all the steps that it takes to get to, to that point, um, uh, I, I wasn't in, in favor of, but I know we have to be flexible. Um, just like when this all started to hit and we had to be flexible in recruiting, we all kind of under the same rules and we wanted to be the best at, uh, at, and our program, uh, abiding to the rules and recruiting that way, but, uh, I, I don't know to be honest. Just uh, it's just it was kind of a shock that they would. I just don't know logistically how it would work um, having that many teams. But uh, I know we're excited about our team, um, the people that we've we've added, um, the guys returning, all getting better. And uh, I'd like to you know talk just like what Ronnie said. Shout out to our administration and staff here um, for getting you know helping our guys get through the summer, getting better. Uh, lifting, conditioning, working out with uh, with us as well on the court. So it's been a, it's been a good summer so far. When one of the the challenges that college basketball has, and I think the sport overall re- is really healthy, is that so much focus is on the month of March and and the NCAA tournament. And there are people that argue that it has devalued the regular season. With the idea of putting everybody in the country, I mean, it doesn't matter if you go 31 and 0 or 2 and 29, everybody gets in the dance. Does that further devalue the regular season, or is it just not an issue? I don't think it's an issue at all. I, you know, again, uh, there's so many different uh, scenarios that people are throwing around. 
I mean, obviously, like you, you guys just talked about, uh, uh, getting everybody in the tournament. I just think the most important thing every single day, just trying to help your team get better and, and try to peak at the right time, whether it's getting everybody in the tournament or not. And when it's all said and done, obviously, when March hits, you know, that's when it really, really gets going. And, and we want to try to, uh, be playing our best basketball in March. Is the makeup of this team a team that you think legitimately has a, a postseason potential, an NCAA tournament potential? I really do. And, and, and golly, I just, I love coming in the gym every single day, seeing our guys. Uh, they're all good guys. They all love each other. And obviously, if you want to have a successful, uh, team or a successful season, you, you've got to have guys that, that like, each other and like being around each other and are pulling for each other, great teammates. And we have a team full of obviously talented players, but we have a team full of guys that just really, really love basketball and love being around each other. Ronnie, give us a name for somebody, whether it's a, a returning player that didn't see a lot of playing time a year ago or maybe it was a red shirt or somebody that's new that Ole Miss fans are going to gravitate to when, when they see his game on the floor. I think, you know, there's a couple. Uh, I'll, I'll add one. You said one, but I'll add two just because I think these guys early on have really sh- stepped up in terms of their game and, and their uh, work ethic. But Sammy Hunter and Austin Crowley, both sophomores now who, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I tell guys all the time, as a freshman, it's hard to come in and, and be really, really good. And I think they just endured some of those freshman, um, you know, struggles. Uh, it had good moments, but just being in this league and, and, and as a freshman at this level, it, it takes a little while to figure it all out. I think both those guys have put an incredible amount of work in, um, both just physically in the weight room, but then on, on the court as well, their games, they're playing with a lot more confidence, uh, early on and out of, out of our preseason and skill development stuff. So I think the fans will see a noticeable improvement on both. Uh, those guys um, this year, and uh, we'll need them to uh, because they're both very, very talented, and they both have a chance to be really, really good players in our league. All three of you, incredibly gracious with your time. I, I appreciate it more than you know. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. All right, so really good stuff there. Hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. Really insightful stuff and uh, gave you a glimpse into uh, how they're going about their recruiting operation, which is as good as it has ever been. Uh, at Old Miss. So I am going to wrap it up there. Thank you again so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave a rating. Uh, uh, podcast will auto-populate to your phone every single day. It's uploaded, and uh, a rating would be very much appreciated. Go by LBs and see Greg. Tell him we sent you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your football, and I will talk to you again on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.